Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. And these are the episode credits for Friday the 13th, the series, season two, episode eight, Read My Lips. Series created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams, written by Peter Lauderman and Angelo Stea. Directed by Francis Delia. Original air date, November 21st, 1988. And we're back with Season 2, Episode 8, Read My Lips. Kim is off again this week, but we have Doug once more. I'm back. Because you enjoyed it so much last time. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we open in a comedy club, or some sort of theater, with a... Ventriloquist. Yes, a ventriloquist. I can't spit it out. I just said it. I know. Ventriloquist, you don't have to say it. Okay. Show the ventriloquist. <laughs> His name is Edgar Van Horn, and the puppet is Oscar. A guy tries to get in to see him, saying he's a personal friend. When the doorman doesn't let him in, he waits and then sneaks in. And this guy was somebody you you recognize. Yeah, that is right? unusual. <laughs> I do recognize people from the seventies and uh, <laughs> maybe the eighties a little bit, but uh, yeah, this was a name and uh, face I did recognize for sure. John Miner. I did too, but I didn't know what I was recognizing him from. And we looked up his credits. I guess he was on Johnny Carson a lot, but all kinds of credits. Yeah, yeah. comedians and uh, TV credits and voice characters. I know I've seen him a lot. So on stage, Oscar begins singing about paying the piper. Edgar looks like this wasn't part of the act, and a woman the camera keeps going to, who must be his wife or something, also looks confused. Edgar gets Oscar to sing and saves the performance. And just a reminder, over the last few episodes, we decided that I was just going to watch this once and write my notes on my first time through, which means you're going to have to listen to my theories. Although I don't think I have too many this time. And I'm also not looking up the artifact, I was going to say artifact again, the antique of the week until after I'm done with my notes. So you're getting my notes on my first watch. And I sometimes have some crazy theories along the way. Sometimes I'm right, but sometimes they're kind of wacky. So the guy who snuck in tries to talk to Edgar backstage, but gets thrown out by the bouncer. His fiance comes to the dressing room and Oscar keeps talking, but she believes that Edgar just uses Oscar to say what he himself doesn't want to say. And I think it's clear at this point, Oscar can talk on his own. I kind of thought that in the beginning, but I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. I waited to see what would happen later. Yeah, it seemed too lifelike. Yeah. So this episode is reminding me of that old Twilight Zone episode, The Dummy, with the puppet that the ventriloquist <laughs> tries and can't get away from. And I don't want to give away the ending of the Twilight Zone episode because at this point in my notes, I don't know where this episode is going. But there is another Twilight Zone episode with a ventriloquist <laughs> where the puppet talks the ventriloquist into committing crimes to pay the rent and things. So I'm leaning towards the first Twilight Zone episode, but we don't know at this point. So his fiance wants him to stop drinking, but he tells her he loves her and he just needs time to unwind. And she agrees to meet him at home later. After she leaves, the puppet keeps telling him it's time to pay the piper. The bouncer, or whoever he was, hears this from the theater and looks around to find where it's coming from. Van Horn stabs the bouncer when he comes into the dressing room, and the puppet says that the only thing harder than getting to the top is staying there. So I imagine he has to kill people to remain popular or famous. Okay, maybe. So over at the store, Mickey gets a letter from her friend Gabrielle, who's getting married, to a ventriloquist. Shocking. <laughs> Ironic. And she wants Mickey to be her maid of honor, although she hasn't seen her since high school. Ryan doesn't want to see the show, so Mickey decides to go alone. 
Now, a ventriloquist is something I really thought Ryan would be into because he's such a child. Yeah, but he has nothing nope. to do with that. Nope, not at all. So we move on to the guy who's been trying to see Van Horn. It turns out that he's also a ventriloquist and is trying to audition for Van Horn. At Van Horn's show, he goes into the audience and goes to the table where Mickey is sitting with Gabrielle. The puppet is nice to Mickey, but not to Gabrielle. And Mickey gets uncomfortable, and the whole audience gets uncomfortable. The only one who thinks it's funny is the other ventriloquist. Mickey's concerned, but Gabrielle says it's not Edgar, it's Oscar. They go backstage so Mickey can meet him and see what a great guy he really is. Meanwhile, Travis, who's the other ventriloquist, we finally have his name, talks to Van Horn backstage, and Oscar agrees for them to listen to his act. When they get backstage, Oscar continues to insult Gabrielle. He also says that Travis is taking Oscar on the road while Edgar and Gabrielle are on their honeymoon. Gabrielle confronts Oscar, who gets angry and says he doesn't need her nagging him. So Mickey leaves after Oscar tells her to take a hike. Gabrielle throws Oscar into the closet and gives Edgar an out about getting married. But he doesn't want her to cancel the wedding. So here she says he has to get help and get Oscar out of his life. So I think she thinks he's obsessed with the puppet and that there's some sort of mental health issues relating to the puppet. Yeah, I think he's yeah becoming the puppet, I guess, and uh, giving it a life and uh, an identity. Yeah. But I have to say, too, that right from the beginning, this guy is a creepy guy. Right away, it's mysterious and creepy. He's very creepy. Yes. I've seen him in a lot of things over the years. I told you earlier, he was, I think it was Barnabas, Barbus, I can't remember his name, but he was a demon in Charmed, and he was somebody who came back a lot. And yeah, he's very creepy in the show. Right away in this episode, yeah, he's not the most charming guy in the world. He's he's very creepy and uh, reserved yeah. and yeah. all of those things. Yeah, I wouldn't be going near him, even without the puppet. So later, Mickey talks to Ryan about Gabrielle, Oscar, and Edgar. Ryan says that all of these guys have split personalities, and Ryan tells her to stay out of it. And so because he mentioned the split personality and Gabrielle believes that there's some mental health issue, I really began to wonder if we were going to have an episode where there really wasn't an antique. And this would turn out in the end to be Edgar having some sort of issue that made him think that Oscar was alive and making him kill people and that he was just doing this all along and talking for Oscar and not knowing it. Right. So, I mean, that would be a twist, hunting an antique an entire episode only to find out that there's no antique, and an antique doesn't have anything to do with what's going on. It's just a normal crime. Possibility, a certain possible twist there uh, gets, gets you thinking and uh, gets your attention a little bit more. Which makes Keep- me wonder if we're ever going to get an episode like that, where they think they're hunting an antique, and it just turns out that it's just a crime. Probably just a matter of time. You it'll know. come up. So, Mickey asks what Ryan's working on, and Ryan tells Mickey about a dead body found in an alley. Ryan's working on the dead body, but he's not relating it to what Mickey's worried about. He thinks he's working on a different... Some kind of side project. Yeah. Yeah. So, over at Edgar's house, his agent is trying to talk him into not giving up his act, but Gabrielle and Edgar both say that Edgar needs a break. He talks them into finishing the club dates, and then he'll see what he can do. I guess, to get him out of the rest of the things he may have lined up for him. So when Gabrielle tells the agent that Oscar's in the case, he says that he was never too happy to be left there. So it sounds like all of them have been indulging into this thing that they think is wrong with 
Edgar. Yeah. Boom, they're all blaming everything on Asker, and Asker doesn't like to be in the case. Right, the second identity, the uh, the yeah. other person. They're like all indulging his delusion, which obviously isn't a delusion, but we don't know that yet. So now we have Edgar with a therapist who says she wants to meet Oscar. Oscar goes on and on about Gabrielle coming between them. When the therapist tells him to put Oscar outside, Oscar starts yelling about paying the piper. So Edgar tries to kill the therapist, but she turns around and he doesn't. And I don't know why, because he killed the bouncer when he was looking at him. I mean, what would be the difference if he just stabbed her I don't know. in the front rather than the he back? Had, he had ample chance to do that. Right. I don't know why I he mean, didn't finish the job. What's the difference? And there's nobody else around right. that's going to witness this thing. So just do it, man. But uh, no, not this time. For some reason, he spares her. Yeah. So Ryan's checking out the crime scene of the dead body he read about and notices that the theater is right across the street. So Ryan goes back to the store to see if there's some connection. I don't know why the puppet wouldn't be the first thing they look for in the manifest, but they don't. And he tries to make Mickey remember anything Gabrielle told her about Edgar. So Mickey, who still isn't convinced that there's an antique problem, tells Ryan to go to the bachelor party. Go ahead, go to this party. Nobody knows you. I guess that's how bachelor parties are, though, right? You just go to random bachelor parties. Is that how it still is? I don't know. Didn't they used to sell tickets and, you know, you end up with a bunch of strangers who are just there to drink, right? Don't know anything about that. Mm. Okay. (laughs) Okay. At the bachelor party, Ryan asks about Oscar, and Edgar tells him that Oscar couldn't make it. Now, this kills me, because every time Oscar can't make it, or they put Oscar away to get him out of the way, it's always right there. If Oscar can't make it, why'd you bring the case to the bachelor party? Why didn't you leave the case home? Exactly. Why would it be there at all to begin with? But, you know, he's trying so hard to get away from this puppet, and he keeps bringing the case with him everywhere he goes. Well, that's TV land for you. It doesn't (laughs) have to make sense. So his agent tries to coax him into bringing him out, but he won't. And then the agent tells Ryan how weird Edgar's been lately. Like Oscar and Edgar can't stand each other anymore. Edgar finally does take Oscar out because he's causing a commotion in the case. But he begins insinuating that Gabrielle was a stripper or a porn star before they met. And Edgar throws him back in the case, but not before Oscar bites his hand. And Ryan sees the bite mark on Edgar's hand. And Edgar sees that he saw it and leaves. Now, if there was any doubt before that, (laughs) that... You know, Oscar has its own identity, his own being. When he's in the case and shaking the case, saying, let me out, let me out, that should be the final nail. Yes, he is definitely a separate entity. Right, and like exactly what you're saying, earlier on, I'm thinking that this is all in his head, like the shaking of the case. Because I'm saying, why is nobody noticing this? I thought this was all in his head. Nobody's shaking, the, seeing this shaking case but him. Right. Because it doesn't make sense. Right. Right. So if there was any doubt before, this case is now shaking. He can maybe throw his voice and he can maybe, right. you know, make it look like the puppet is saying things for him. But he can't shake the case from across the room. Right. Unless there's some kind of um, magical you know, gimmick. Right. Doing it. But still yeah. at that point, nobody seems to notice that. Yeah. And they still don't notice it. And I think until we saw the bite mark on his hand and we saw that Ryan saw it, the bite mark wasn't in his head, that I figured out definitely that this wasn't all in his head. If you haven't figured it out by then, even I figured it out. I know, but sometimes they try to trick you. Like, all these things are happening, and then you realize that they're not really happening, that this guy's imagining it. So this guy's seeing the case shaking, but nobody else is. 
which they weren't. Nobody reacted yet. Right. So I'm always thinking they're trying to trick me into thinking that all this is really happening, but it's really in his head. So until I saw the bite mark and I saw that Ryan actually saw the bite mark, I was still kind of on the ledge that all of this was in his head because of the things that everybody else wasn't noticing that they should have. Right. Like the case shaking, like you said. Yeah, nobody seemed to really react to that at all. Oh, the case is shaking over there and there's somebody, you know, let me out. I would say, how did he do that? I would have some kind of reaction, but right. no reaction. And because nobody does react, I get it in my head that it's not really happening. And this guy just thinks that he's shaking the case. Right, that could be right. a twist on it. Yeah. But then you see the bite on his hand and Ryan sees the bite. Right. If they didn't have Ryan see the bite, I would still have that little doubt that this is all in his head. But now there's too many coincidences. Right. So So Oscar calls Travis to make sure he's coming to the party. And he says he'll be there. So that was just a weird little thing. And then he opens the card and Oscar wrote in the card in the invitation. Back at the story, Mickey still isn't convinced that this is an antique issue. And I don't know why at this point. But Ryan is. He found out there was another hacked up body in Chicago when he was there. But Ryan can't find a puppet in the manifest. He's an entertainer. It could have been an illusion. You weren't there. You didn't see it. The thing bit him. Ryan, I told you. They're trying to work it out. This is more than a psychological quirk. I called the Chicago police. Three months ago when Van Horn proposed, there was a body found hacked up in an alley. That doesn't prove anything. It's more than a coincidence. Yeah, well, there's no dummy in the manifest. Well, it's something else. Like what? So he talks about the Nazi research he's doing and how the Nazis were into the occult and bringing things back to life. They were sure that a certain number of killings would bring something to life. So he thinks that maybe there's something else that's bringing the puppet to life. Oh, well, maybe it's like these souvenirs Jack's tracking down. Now, the Nazis were into occult research, reanimation, giving inanimate objects life. Well, what's that got to do? Well, they were convinced that a number of killings could bring something to life. Which makes sense. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So now we've moved on to the wedding. Oscar speaks when the priest says, Speak now or forever, hold your peace. But before that, we see a shot of someone sitting in the church, and we're supposed to notice him because they blur Ryan's face to make sure we see him clearly. You saw him, right? Yes, I did. So Edgar tries to get Oscar to stop, and he tries to kill the puppet until people have to drag him out. Once outside, Edgar runs into traffic and is hit by a car. Back in the church, Travick picks up Oscar, and Oscar says it's not a marriage made in heaven. And Travis doesn't seem shocked about Oscar talking at all. So at this point, I'm thinking Travis is behind all of this. 
Travis uh-huh. somehow got this puppet somehow to kill Edgar, get him out of the way so he could take his job. That's where I was at this point of the whole thing. Yeah, right. He's got he, a little snide look on his face at one point when he's got Oscar in his right. head. And you kind of think, well, maybe he was behind something here. Maybe he was even the voice of Oscar at one point, but I lost that idea quickly. Yeah, he doesn't even seem shocked because you know he's not talking for Oscar. Right. So at this point, I was convinced he's, he was up behind the whole thing. Well, for a second there, I, I thought so maybe it was a possibility as well. Like I said, he had a side little smirk on his face. Yeah, he's not putting the voice into Oscar, so he knows Oscar is definitely right. an entity. Right. So back at the store, we find out that Edgar is alive and is still yelling about Oscar. Ryan found out that Edgar has only been doing well since he met Gabrielle, and he's also found more killings. So they decide to go back and find Oscar. At the club, Travis and Oscar go on for Edgar. Travis is happy after the show that he's going to be famous. Oscar warns him that he has to be willing to do anything to get ahead. Oscar starts a problem with some big guy they bumped into in the alley. I was still wondering what was up with the guy in the church. And before we saw this guy's face in the alley, because he was in the shadows, we couldn't see his face. Okay. I thought this was going to be the guy in the church. Yeah. But then the guy came out of the shadows and it was just this big giant guy. So Oscar gives Travis a knife and he stabs the big guy. So Travis has his first kill. Ryan goes to visit Edgar wherever he is. I'm guessing it's a psych ward. Van Horn says it's quite peaceful and safe there and he'd stay there for the rest of his life. Ryan tells him he's looking for Oscar to keep him away from everyone. Edgar tells Ryan that Oscar was in his mind and then started doing things on his own. He tells Ryan that Oscar made him kill all the people. At the club, Ryan threatens Edgar's agent for letting Travis use Oscar because Edgar never gave permission for him to use the puppet. The agent says he'll get it back for Ryan and instead of Ryan waiting for the agent to get the puppet back, he gives the agent his card and tells him to call him when he has him. Like, that always works. So the agent tries to talk Travis into getting a new puppet, but Travis won't hear it. And Oscar, not Travis, stabs the agent. And he's looking more real than before. He's actually walking around on his own now. He's not on somebody's lap or in a case. Right. And so his plan is to kill Gabrielle, so there's no one left to separate them. Now, why would Gabrielle separate them? She doesn't want the puppet. Edgar doesn't want the puppet. She knows too much? I don't know. I mean, they could just go. That's true. Gabrielle's not going to look for this puppet. That kind of didn't make sense to me. So at this point, I'm guessing that my theory about no antique at all is wrong since Travis has Oscar now. And I think Ryan's thought about bringing something to life after so many kills is right on the nose since Oscar is looking more real and doing the killing now. At this point, it was also looking like it was going in the same direction as the Twilight Zone episode where the puppet and the ventriloquist end up switching places. I thought the puppet was going to turn into the man and Travis was going to turn into the puppet. Okay. That's what I was thinking at this point. That makes sense. Since Oscar was looking more human. Certainly a possibility. Yeah. So back at the store, Mickey and Ryan wait for Bernie to bring the puppet Ryan goes to check out Travis's apartment and Mickey waits for Jack to call. Ryan listens to the tape that Travis recorded while he looks around his apartment. He sees blood and he listens on Travis's tape to Bernie the agent being murdered. And then he finds Bernie's head in the freezer. So Ryan calls Mickey and she's found something in the research. A pink boutonniere that Hitler wore so he wouldn't die or that he'd be reanimated if he did die, I guess. Mickey found that in the research. And then Jack called and said that the collector, whoever in Miami, although later on they say Mexico City, so I'm not sure where he is. But um, Jack calls and says the collector in Miami sold it to Edgar, and Oscar's wearing the boutonniere. Yeah. Oh, Ryan, I'm so sorry. Oh, 
Ryan, thank God you called. Okay, I, I, I... No, listen to me. I've been going through the research you were doing for Jack, and I found something. What? A pink silk boutonniere. Hitler's occult advisor has convinced him that as long as he wore it, he wouldn't die. He'd be reanimated. Right. And Jack just phoned. That collector in Miami had it. And he sold it to... Edgar Van Horn. And Oscar's wearing it. What, you found him? No. No, but I found Bernie. Or what's left of him. Ryan tells Mickey to call Gabrielle, and he'll try to get there as fast as he can because she's in danger. So at Gabrielle's apartment, someone's cut the phone lines, and she hears someone coming to her apartment. It's Travis and Oscar. Oscar wants Travis to kill her, but she throws a pot of boiling water at him, and Oscar takes the knife and stabs Travis. Why? I don't know. I guess maybe at this point, after he kills so many people, he won't need anybody. So I guess he could just kill everybody. It's not like he needs a ventriloquist or anything. I guess. Anymore. He so end up with anybody. Well, he doesn't have to yeah. have anybody. He's not a puppet anymore. Because I was wondering why he killed Travis. Because he needed him, but he doesn't need him. Because um, the more he kills people, the more real he gets. So eventually he's not going to be a puppet, and so he won't need to be sitting on somebody's lap. He could just be a person. He can just be the stand-up, right? Yeah. So Mickey comes to the door, but Oscar keeps Gabrielle from opening it. He chases her around with the knife, and Gabrielle falls hilariously down the stairs. Then Mickey and Ryan break in. Mickey goes to help Gabrielle while Ryan avoids Oscar's knife. Oscar tries to stab him, but Ryan is able to get the boutonniere off Oscar's jacket, and Oscar changes back to a puppet. So back at the store, Mickey and Ryan find the entry in the manifest. It was sold to a dealer in Mexico City. Here it is. One boutonniere silk sold to a Roberto Sanchez. Jack's collector in Mexico City. So Oscar made Van Horn famous in exchange for which Van Horn had to kill? Which satisfied the demands of the curse and gave Oscar a chance at life. wonder how much worse Oscar could have been had he been human. Must be glad we didn't have to find out. And then they put it in the vault. So after we got to the end of this episode and we still hadn't seen anything about the guy in the church, I started thinking... Because, like I've said probably a thousand times during this series, I watched this 35 years ago, Mm -hmm. as I remember all the characters, but I do not remember any of these stories. But when we got to the end of the episode and I realized we still hadn't seen this guy, I started wondering if I didn't know who this guy was, because I kind of do remember a few things about the series. They showed us his face for a reason. There's no way that was an accidental showing of somebody's face. Why would they do that? Maybe he shows up in other episodes as the kind of the spy guy and the standing in the distance. Well, that's what I'm saying. They showed him to us for a reason. And then when we got to the end of the episode and there was nothing else about him, I started thinking and I was kind of remembering something. But I'm not going to say what it is because it'll be a spoiler. But I think I know who this is now. But I can't say because it'll be a spoiler. So we'll have to see. Now you will tell me to we're off the air, correct? Um, yes, I will. Oh, awesome. So the cursed antique from Friday the 13th wiki was Adolf Hitler's pink silk boutonniere that brings a ventriloquist's dummy to life and compels people to kill. And I didn't find any warehouse connections in this episode at all. So what did you think of this episode? Yes, you asking me? <laughs> yes. It's fine. It was... No, I'm asking the other guy down the street uh, well, who's it... not doing the podcast with me. <laughs> right. The other guy down the street might be a little more into uh, TV and the arts and media like uh, that I am not. So uh, I thought it was fine. You seem to have paid attention to it. Because if I didn't, I would have been in trouble. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I kind of like this one, too. So this is a good couple in a row that I liked. I mean, I like all of them. They're dated, like we said. And kind of goofy because they're from the 80s, but... Yeah, the graphic when he got hit by the car was kind of... Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
He's running out to the street, then he's standing in front of a car, which pushes him over. Right. Oh, right. yeah, wow, that must have been horrible. But, right. Yeah. You know, and, that's okay. It's, it's the 80s, I get it. Bottom well, line is we know he got hit by a car. Right, and Gabrielle's fall down the stairs. Yeah, you kind of get used to that after you keep watching it. You have, to, you have to put your mind back a few years. Yeah. But I thought it was fine. I kept my interest for the, well, it's 45 minutes non-commercial. And you gave me a break in the middle, so that was good. Okay. So, uh, yes, it was pretty good. I, it was fine. Okay, so Kim should be back next week, and we'll see you then. Okay, bye. This is Doug, reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition. Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko. Pixabay user 147-98912. Free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.